invite you to take your copy of God's Word and turn to chapter 2 in the book of John. John chapter 2. You know, it's amazing the, um, the history of our church. I haven't had the privilege yet of reading the entire history. I've read parts of it. And uh, it's a miracle that this church exists. Uh, I don't know, how many, how many of you guys like Westerns? I, I'm the only one? Okay, good, good. But our church history kind of reads like a shoot 'em up Western. I don't know if y'all know that or not, but if you, you start to read that, it's, it's kind of, uh, you know, you read about some shooting happening in the courthouse, and then you read about a church being burnt down, and you, you read about several, y'all know about that, right? Yeah, in the olden days, yeah. So it, it's, it's a miracle. And then uh, you think about the, the people that you've had the privilege of knowing, and being a part of this church and, and some of just the caliber of those people is amazing. And then people that came before you that you didn't even know. Um, but what's amazing when you think about our church history is that the best is yet to come. And it's been so incredible what God's already done. You think about... Um, in the scriptures, you open up the beginning and you, and you see this beautiful, incredible creation that God has done. And it's just absolutely incredible. And, and then you read later on in the book of Exodus this amazing story of God's doing with the people of Israel. And, and I don't know if you remember, but there's a, an account in there where Israel, the children of Israel are up against something called the Red Sea. And Pharaoh's soldiers are coming after them. And, and what happens? Right? I mean, just like, wow. And, uh, and then you think of not only after that, was that miracle along with others, that God sends these prophets and they speak. Speak a personal message from God to the, to the people. And, and you just think, that's amazing. But yet, we realize when we get to the New Testament that the best was yet to come in Jesus. And you just think about even, I just think about what I've seen or heard about happening in our church just this week. You know, there are, there's a group of people, they're just like all of us, they're, they're just working people. And they believe that God's called them to go on a mission to Peru. And they're going to go. They're just going to get on a plane and go down there and talk to people about Jesus. From right out of this church. There's another group that's going to Seattle. That's another country. No, I'm kidding. That's in the United States. You know, there's, there's a group of people that took a week 
and just sat in a little room over there called the Memorial Social Hall. And you're not going to believe who they sat with. They sat with a nurse. This nurse used to work at a hospital in the Middle East. She was a foreign missionary. And she has learned how to communicate the gospel through storying to Muslims. Matter of fact, she was whatever. They actually transferred her to Paris, France. Now that's a nice assignment, wouldn't you think? They transferred her to work with a, a special, you know, there's, you know, just like there are a lot of people with Jewish background in New York City, right? A lot of people from Muslim background, Paris, France. It's amazing. Brought her here to train us in store. It's amazing what God's doing. It's amazing when you think about the people in this room and, and how much they have just given of themselves financially, prayerfully, tire, tireless hours of work, um, whether it's in a Sunday school or a choir or whether it's in visiting the sick or or feeding the hungry or, I mean, it's just amazing. It's amazing to think that today we, we've seen two um, salvation. Uh, a young lady here came forward this morning in the 8.30 service and Brother Wayne told me at 11 o'clock. And so there's probably, even though the, outwardly we've seen two, there have probably been others this week who have trusted Christ. It's, it's amazing what's going on. But according to God's word, the best is yet to come. Let's look at the first uh, recorded uh, miracle um, of our Lord Jesus. Uh, we're going to look first at verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2 in the book of John. It says, On the third day, a wedding took place at Cana in Galilee. And Jesus' mother was there. And Jesus and his disciples had also been, what? Invited to the wedding. Now, the, the first principle I see tonight, and this is going to be a, kind of a shorter message, which hopefully will encourage you. Uh, hopefully the message will encourage you and that the fact that it's shorter will encourage you as well. But the first thing I see in this text is this. Jesus is not a killjoy, okay? Meaning, uh, Jesus was invited to the wedding, and he went, okay? Now, uh, you might go, why are you making that point? The reason I'm making that point is simply this. I have a tendency to, um, to kind of be a workaholic myself and not really have kind of time for, like, fun. Matter of fact, um, there were times when Nancy and I were like dating and um, we were involved in a ministry and doing you know, a lot of things, quote unquote, for the Lord. But then this, this group would have like socials, you know, fun times. And uh, sometimes I didn't have time for the socials, you know, it was like, uh, I'll never forget we were on a retreat one time. And um, was talking to just one of the um, members of the group. 
And it was like the first time I'd ever gotten to know that person personally. Now, we had done a lot of Bible studies together. We'd done a lot of outreaches together. Uh, we'd even had days of prayer together. You know, we'd done a lot of ministry activities. But I didn't really even, you know, know the person. And it kind of hit me that night. That's a kind of a sad way to live. It's a sad way to live. And I don't see that in the life of Jesus. Uh, Jesus does not want to squash the fun. He doesn't, take, doesn't want to take away our good times. He evidently wanted to be at the wedding. He wanted to be at the reception. And uh, he doesn't have a problem with the sacred and the secular. Matter of fact, I think Jesus is excited to be here with us tonight. Matter of fact, you know, we didn't, I don't think we did. Did we stand up and applaud when they sang? We didn't, did we? Good, you know, good Baptist decorum. But I think Jesus did, you know. He's like, man, that was great, you know, and, and he enjoyed it, you know. Jesus is filled with joy and he's excited. So let's look at the, that's the first point. You go, boy, that's, that's deep. Okay, let's look at the second point here. Look at verses 3 through 7. When the, wine, when the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, They have no more wine. Woman, why do you involve me? Jesus replied, My hour has not yet come. And his mother said to the servants, Do whatever he tells you. Nearby stood six stone water jars, the kind used by Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jars with water. And so they filled them to the brim. Second thing I see in this text is this. Continual joy. Continual joy in our lives is absolutely dependent upon the presence of Jesus Christ. See, in this particular scenario that Jesus was at, the wine gave out. And usually at a party or an event, if it's built around alcohol or wine, and again, when you think back to maybe uh, college days and fraternity parties and things like that, you think about, um, you know, alcoholic beverages and all that. Usually when the, the alcohol runs out, what happens? The party's over, right? The party's over. I can remember, though, when we've hosted some parties at our house with no alcohol, obviously. But when we've hosted parties at our house, it's usually not the, the, the drinks or the cake or the cookies or all that run out. You know what usually happens? I run out. I get tired. You know, after a while, I'm kind of like, man, this has been great. Why don't y'all go home? You know? you know what I mean? It's kind of like, I don't know about you, I'm more of a morning person. I mean, not, I wouldn't be rude like that. I'm just feeling that. You know, I'm kind of like, Man, yeah, we really enjoyed this. This is great. <laughs> you know, that kind of thing. Well, because, you know, I do, and I like to, 
I'm outgoing. I love having people, you know, entertaining, that kind of thing. It's just my um, stamina, you know, emotional reserves and all that. I can only be upbeat for so long. And then I just kind of, you know, go down. Kind of like a balloon, you know, or something like that, you know. And um, that's because we're not designed to be our own source of energy and sufficiency. See, Jesus uh, is the source, in essence, of our joy. Our joy doesn't come from just activity, even religious activity or, or Christian activities. Our joy comes from Him. And there are times when we feel like we may have to manufacture it. That, you know, okay, I need to kind of stir this up a little bit. But joy can't be manufactured. Our resources are limited. But Jesus' resources are not. They are unlimited. He can do anything. And that's what we see in this text. Now we're finally at the heart of it. You're thinking, boy, what an introduction. But we're finally at the heart of this text. And, the, and look at it, verses 8 through 11. Look at verses 8 through 11. He told the servants what to do, fill the jars of water, and then he tells them what to do with it. He says, verse 8, he says, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. And of course, he's telling them to draw out the water that they had filled in there. And they did so. And the scripture says, what? The master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew then he called the bridegroom aside and said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine after the guests have had too much to drink. But you have saved the best till now. Who, who did he say that to? The bridegroom, right? That's who he said it to. It says he called the bridegroom. He assumed the bridegroom had made this arrangement. What Jesus did here in Cana, so we know it's Jesus who did it here in Cana, was the first of the signs through which he revealed his glory and his disciples believed in him. Yeah, you may say, yeah, I've heard all that before. But, see, the wine that most people used was usually 
poor. Usually, they started out with the stronger stuff and then went to the cheaper stuff. And you know, I've mentioned this before, a lot of times that's kind of how we start out in terms of usually we can start out strong. Uh, we might be enthusiastic about teaching a Sunday school class or enthusiastic about working with children or whatever. We, we're, we're, we start out strong. Maybe even in our jobs, we, we're, we're, we're committed and we're, we're working hard. And our best is usually at the first. That's what happens in a lot of marriages, isn't it? That, you know, we start out strong and then we can kind of even, we kind of fade. Sometimes we do that in our child raising. We, we start out strong and then we, we kind of fade. But here we see the best came from Jesus at the end. Think about that. The best came from Jesus at the end. You, you know, you may be thinking, Brother John, you don't understand. I used to be able to do a lot. I used to be, be able to accomplish a lot in a day. I used to be, accomplish be able to accomplish a lot, say, in my career. I used to be able to accomplish a lot in this community. I, I used to be able to do a lot. Brother John, you don't, you don't understand about my health situation now. You know, as I've been thinking about this text, uh, I'm convinced that the, the best days that Jesus has ahead for us are not dependent on our physical health. They are dependent on His presence and His power regardless of our physical health. Now, some people might say tonight, um, you know, I, I can never even come to Christ. I, I can't become a believer because, listen, God, God spoke to my heart years ago and I said no to him. God tried to draw me through circumstances I experienced years ago and I said no. And now it's 10, 20, 30 years removed I can't even become a Christian now. Listen. Listen. Think about what Jesus was doing. If you would have gone up to the man on the street that day and, and said, are you Jewish? Yes. Do you go to synagogue? Yes. Do you go to temple once a year? Yes. Are you happy with your faith? Well, yeah. Do you think you need Jesus? Who is Jesus? See, Jesus came 
And, and I'm sure 90% of the, the Jewish people at that time were happy with what they had. And yet the best was yet to come. Listen, it doesn't matter if in the past you've said no to Christ and rejected Him. He is wanting to draw you to Him. And tonight could be your opportunity. You could turn. You could experience Christ's best now in your life. He can, he can save you if you're willing to repent. If you're willing to come to Him. Jesus said, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. I will give you what? Rest. All He wants you to do is give Him your heart. He'll forgive you. He will cleanse you. He'll live inside you. He will remake you. He will empower you. He will guide you. But some are thinking tonight, you know, I am a believer. I, I was gloriously saved by, by God and His wonderful work. I remember maybe kneeling at this altar or I remember being baptized here or, or I remember someone in this church loving me enough to tell me how I could become a Christian. And you remember, you were so close to God. And it was so real. But now, now the glow is gone. Now the glow is faded. And what you're afraid of tonight is that you'll never be as close to Him as you once were. It'll never be as good as it used to be. Listen, the glow you had back then was wonderful. It was a gift from God. He was at work in your life. The Holy Spirit was at work in your life. But according to God's Word... The best that Jesus has to offer us is yet to come. That closeness that you had to Jesus back then, it was, it was wonderful. You could sense Him when you came into worship. You could sense Him when you had your time alone with Him. But yet, that closeness, that intimacy with Him... The best of that is yet to come. When you think about fruitfulness. We have a tendency, I know in this country, to, to think that our most productive, impactful time of our life is what? In our youth. That's when we're the most effective. That's a bunch of baloney. The fruitfulness that we had in Christ in the past is, was good. But what Jesus Christ is saying here is the best is yet to come. The best wine in this passage of Scripture was not what was served at the beginning, but it was what was served at the end. Think about that. The experiences you had with the Lord 
that were real, were wonderful as a child, as a teenager, as a young adult. They're wonderful. But they have nothing to compare with what Jesus wants to do in and through you in the days ahead. The best is yet to come. You have saved the best. What? Till now. Till now. You know what my prayer is tonight? Is that you'll be like the lady that was, there's a, I'm not trying, y'all don't think this is a selfish promotion, but anyway, one of the discipleship classes we're having right now is, is a guy named Howard Hendricks. And it's incredible. You need, you need to be there on Wednesday night for this, this course. But what is fascinating is what he shared just this past Wednesday night. He said he went to a church Christmas party. And you know how exciting church Christmas parties are, he said. As he walked in there, there was one of these Ladies that had been a friend of his for years. She's about 86 years of age. And this was her response after a few minutes of chit-chat. She says, Hendrix, let's don't bore each other talking about each other. Tell me the five best books you've read this last year. And if you can't tell me that, let's get into a discussion. And if you don't have anything to discuss, let's get into an argument. Does that sound like anybody in our church, a lady like that or anything? I don't know if it does. But anyway, the next year, this lady died. I guess she would have been 87. And the daughter, who knew how close she was to Howard Hendricks, came and said, would you come do Mama's funeral and all this? And, and as he was preparing for the funeral, the daughter said, I want you to come here and see what Mother did last night before she died. 87 years old. These were her 10 goals for the year. She had written them out. You know what my prayer is? I, I mean, I just don't know. I, I mean, I'm preaching. You know I'm preaching this to myself, don't you? As well as to you. My prayer is that we are fully alive up until the day Christ takes us home. And that we believe that the best that he is going to do in our lives is in the future. Weeks, months, whatever, however long he allows us to be here. And our hearts are on fire for him. We're not doing it in his, our power. We're not doing it in our wisdom. We are seeking the presence of Jesus to empower us. And you know, that's what the gospel is. 
When you read the Gospel of John, it amazes you from chapter 1 to the end. And then John says, listen, y'all, there was a lot more that happened we couldn't even get in the book. But these things have been written that you might what? Know Jesus is the Son of God and that you would have life in his name. And we know that. There's a lot of people who don't. The best is yet to come in our lives personally, regardless of what happens to our health or regardless of how we age, whatever. And the best is yet to come for this precious blood-bought church called First Baptist Church. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your word. We thank you for your power. We thank you for your presence. We realize tonight it's a miracle this church exists. It's a miracle that individually we have been saved. It's a miracle we're a part of this. And Lord, you have great things great things in store for each one of our lives. Father, tonight there may be someone watching by television who's just wondering how is all this real? How can these precious senior adults be singing about Jesus? who invites us to come home in a relationship with Him. How can these people be proclaiming Jesus risen from the dead for over 125 years? Lord, we pray tonight for our, for our community. Father, we pray they will become like us People who are broken, people who've lived real lives, who've experienced the forgiveness of Jesus Christ in our lives. And Father, we believe in you that the best that you have for us is yet to be revealed by your power in and through our lives. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.